Manna or Meatloaf, episode 46, Selfless Equals Less Self. Hello, hello. So in last week's episode, as I was talking about selfishness versus selflessness and how those two words affect relationships so entirely differently, I've had some really strong ideas hit me this past week about that word, selfless. So let's take a careful look at it, okay? We've got the first part of that word down pretty well, don't you think? (laughs) Because we think a lot about ourselves. Even if we don't think all that highly of ourselves, we think a lot about ourselves, right? Our minds go a million miles an hour about us, what we're doing, what we're thinking, what we're feeling, our endless to-do lists, what we need, what we want, that we don't need. This list could go on and on forever. But you know what I'm talking about. We do it all day, every day. And that's a lot of time to be focused on self. According to the Oxford Dictionary, selflessness means concern more with the needs and wishes of others than with one's own. So what would happen if we switched the first and last part of that word? Well, it becomes less self, doesn't it? And that makes me think immediately about what Elder Neil A. Maxwell quoted once from Gilbert K. Chesterton, quote, how much larger our lives would be if we could be smaller in them, end quote. Don't you just love that? My thoughts immediately went to our prophets and apostles who donate their time to build the kingdom of God on the earth. They're perfect examples, aren't they, of caring more about the needs of others than themselves. But others also fit that bill just as nicely. Those who serve in the military, firefighters, police officers, even doctors and nurses could also be considered part of this group. But what about those less conspicuous, like the nice man who let you cut in front of him at the grocery store because you only had a few items? Or the ministering brother or sister who just knows when there's a need and then fills it? Or someone who leaves me the last chocolate in the bag or buys me another bag altogether because I may be running low. Thanks, Doug. (laughs) Okay, seriously, people? Ghirardelli dark chocolate salted caramel, that's all I'm saying. It will change your life. Yeah, so true. Okay, small acts of selflessness are always appreciated by those on the receiving end. And I too have had these moments and these people who have made lasting marks in the annals of my heart. But today I want to think about what I can do more often to be the person who is selfless enough to touch the lives of others. And that can be tricky when, again, we're kind of into ourselves, right? Who is the most selfless person in your family? I just want to know. And what about your marriage or your work environment, your ward? Tell yourself honestly, if it isn't you, how can it be? And if it isn't you, here's something really interesting to chew on. So I found this scientific study in Switzerland in October 2016, and the transcript is on my website, manaormeatloaf.com buzzsprout.com. You can read the whole entire thing. It's absolutely fascinating. But anyway, it provides a neural link between generosity and happiness. In the study, they took these two groups of people. And in one group, the people promised to spend a predetermined amount of money on themselves. And the other group had to promise to spend the same amount on others. Doug totally had to walk me through all the scientific verbiage. But in layman's terms, those who experienced commitment-induced generosity 
also had more activity in certain parts of the brain that directly affected happiness and feelings of well-being. How cool is that? Now, I'm quite sure none of us needed a scientific study to prove that serving others just plain makes us feel good, right? Anyone who has ever dropped off a box on a porch, rang the doorbell and run, knows the high of a feel-good warm fuzzy that that can induce. But what can we do to become the blessing more often than the blessed? Let's go back to that idea that selfless equals less self. What could our marriages friendships, our families, our workplaces, our wards look like if we forgot more about ourselves. In a world, our world, that is filled with a lot of us, I thought about a few things I'm going to be working on over the next little bit, and I wanted to invite you to join me. The first is to give people my undivided attention, and it's going to start with my husband. You'll recognize this because I've been working on being present lately, but I still need to do so much better. When you're in a conversation, is it more important for you to be heard than it is to listen? What happens when you think of self-less? That old adage that you were given two ears and one mouth because you're supposed to listen twice as much as you speak comes to my mind. The second is to remember in all my interactions that everyone, every single person has his own cross to bear, even if I can't see it. Just because people don't do or think like I do doesn't mean it's wrong. It's just different. It's just their way. My sweet sister-in-law, DeRue, sent me a link for Kirk Cameron's American Campfire Revival on Facebook. And it was so enlightening. Oh my goodness. Do you guys remember him? He's from the old ABC sitcom Growing Pains. You babies out there probably won't even know him because it was on around 1985. Every one of us baby boomers had a total crush on him. (laughs) Anyway, he's very actively Christian, and he's sharing a 100-day plan for the family of faith. It's so good. And one of my favorite parts, and I'm sure in part because I was thinking of this subject this week, was what he so beautifully pointed out about what happens when we cast pointing fingers at others. He brought to everyone's attention that when you have a bony finger pointing and judging others, remember there are three fingers pointing right back at you. Wow, that hit me. Do it right now. Point your index finger outward like you're pointing at someone and look at your hand. What are your middle ring and pinky finger doing? Oh, that's powerful. That's a powerful visual I won't soon forget. The last is that I want to do just what President Hinckley's father recommended. Do you remember President Hinckley's father's advice to him while he was serving his mission in Preston, England? The young elder Hinckley's mother had passed from cancer just three years earlier, and his family was experiencing economic hardship, not to mention the fact that he was sick when he arrived in the mission field. And then, like every other missionary, he met with discouraging resistance. This frustrating time had him feeling like he was wasting his time and his father's money. So he wrote a letter to his dad asking if he should even continue to serve. The day he received a letter in return, he had been reading in the Bible, Mark 8.35, quote, Whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it, end quote. Then he just happened to receive and read his father's letter, stating, Dear Gordon, I have your recent letter. I have only one suggestion. Forget yourself and go to work. I now quote from his own record. 
Quote, With my father's letter in hand, I went into our bedroom in the house at 15 Wadham Road, where we lived, and got on my knees and made a pledge with the Lord. I covenanted that I would try to forget myself and lose myself in his service. End quote. Did he lose himself in the service of God? Holy cow, did he ever. I oftentimes find myself singing to myself. Well, you're laughing. What a concept, right? You'd never guess. And one of my favorites when I'm really struggling is I'm trying to be like Jesus. Remember that song? I'm going to spare you. I'm trying to be like Jesus. I'm following in his ways. I'm trying to live as he did in all that I do and say. Well, Jesus was the perfect example of selflessness, wasn't he? He worried a lot less about himself than others. In Luke 9.58, we learned that, quote, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head, end quote. And I spent a lot of time worrying about cleaning my house, decorating it, buying things for it, on and on. Christ's entire mission was to serve his heavenly Father and carry out his will, I spend an awfully lot of time working out my own will. His life was a beautiful illustration of service and love and ultimate sacrifice. I know this will be so hard for me as I have so, so, so far to go in my attempts. But I know that as I turn to that same Heavenly Father and access my Savior's grace, I will learn what Heber J. Grant taught when he said, quote, that which we persist in doing becomes easier for us to do. Not that the nature of the thing itself is changed, but that our power to do it is increased, end quote. I want to also add a little disclaimer here. I hope that none of you are hearing me tell you to put others first to the tune of making yourself very last and not caring for yourself. As surely as I believe selflessness is a Christ-like attribute worthy of our attention and effort, I do not condone being floor mats for others to walk on or abuse in any way. Nor do I find anything wrong with working on and developing yourselves, your talents, skills, and your homes in every single way. The balance can be difficult to master, but it's not unlike the command to live in the world, but not of the world. This is where we get to strengthen our discernment muscles and turn to God for answers to every question. He will absolutely, positively help us as we work to find that balance of living lives that are centered less on ourselves and more on the service and difference we can make in the lives of others. It has been said that a person starts to live when he can live outside himself. I'm ready to put that one to the test. <music> 